smiling and hiding and pretending that I was okay when there was still so much that I was broken about from church or from other things yeah. in my life. And I never had a place to, to freely wrestle with it. But I don't feel isolated and I don't feel alone. I feel a part of things. And I know that these things matter. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. Uh, I'm excited for you to be listening today as we hit part two of Chris and Bethany's story. If you haven't listened to part one, you need to jump back and figure out how we got where we are now uh, to figure out how they get to the next part of, of their story and how their two lives collide. And where we ended off is almost in similar places for both of you, where there's this wrestling with identity and there's this wrestling with who you are and there's this wrestling, uh, wrestling of like kind of filling these voids in your life. Bethany, for you, it's a lot of filling that void with perfectionism and um, trying to make sure you do everything right and kind of building walls around you as you do that. Chris, it's been 26 years of prodigaling. You know, there is some Jesus in there. There's some good stuff in there, but a lot of it is you kind of living that life, searching things out, trying to figure out who you are as a son, as a man, as somebody who believes in God, as a creative, um, which you and I bond over a lot because my wife is also a creative. And, you know, the initial part of life is, you know, there's often like trying to shove you in this type of box. And when you are a creative person or specifically in a Neogram 4, it doesn't fit. And um, that leaves you trying to figure out who the heck am I? And in light of who people want me to be, you know, whether that's parents or teachers or even, you know, people that you're in a relationship with. And so um, we're picking things off today. Chris has just ended it with his fiance, went about as well as you would expect that to, to go. Um, but you're back pursuing faith. Mm-hmm. Bethany, you're, you're back at home, a part of the church you grew up in, which also happens to be, for lack of a better term, the church that Chris grew up in but your guys' lives haven't really collided yet. And so um, let's keep moving the story forward. So um, Bethany, you weren't in ministry at the time. No, I came back home, I had a business degree, didn't really know what I was gonna do with that um, because I started education and got really nervous about what if that doesn't pan out. It felt very like, well, this is one thing. And so I thought business, and then I thought, well, goodness, I don't know or want anything to do with business, really. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, yes, I got reconnected at our church, mostly like 
spent that first year trying to figure out what was next. Um, I had a friend who worked at the Board of Education in Howard County, and so I got a job there um, in the Human Resources Department. I also got involved with the youth group uh, that I was no longer a part of anymore at this at the church that we were yeah. going to. And so I kind of got involved hoping to create something different right. because there was a part of me, despite the journey through college and despite, you know, me still trying to figure out how, like, what my relationship with Jesus was, I, I still knew it, it mattered and I still wanted it for other people. I still wanted it for myself. It was just a matter of like something to do sure. that maybe I could be good at and maybe I could also create a better experience for other people. Sure. Maybe a little bit of that student leadership in me that like I was set up to do as a high schooler but knew nothing. Sure. And now I was kind of in a position where maybe I could actually like make an impact on somebody's life um, despite the fact that there were still a lot of things that I was wrestling with and working through. Um, so that got me reconnected at our church. As far as like a job goes though, like I ended up at the Board of Education for a year and then I was like, hey, this is probably what I should have been doing the whole time, which was my initial plan at Milligan. So I started a master's program at Towson um, to do elementary special education. And, and then from Human Resources, I knew all these people. So they got me connected to a school and I was able to work through the school, work at that school while doing my master's wow. and like everything kind of uh, doubled up. So my student teaching lined up with my job, my you know classes lined up with my job. Everything that I was doing was now kind of in this one arena, which was kids and teaching. It's just by day I was teaching in the academic setting and in evenings like a youth group or you know midweek I started helping with like the um, the middle school girls small group and you know like that hidden person that very walled up person that that was still me I was still very much a keep to myself do what I could to not uh, be seen too much sure and actually that is partly how our stories reconnect and it's through Karen Pennington actually I mean I remember seeing Chris back at Manor Woods and back reconnected. Um, And I think I even encouraged the current director of children's ministries, hey, he plays guitar, maybe he could play guitar for the preschoolers. And so like he ended up getting involved, I think, because of me. But I barely like knew, like I knew none of this story. Um, it was just, uh, hey, I remember him from high school, and maybe maybe there's something there because they were just recruiting yeah. all the time, looking for volunteers. Um, but Karen, um, th- she and Brian had just come back from Florida. They got connected with the youth group at Manor Woods to also be youth group leaders. And Karen didn't know anyone in this area. Yeah, because she was from Pennsylvania. She was from Pennsylvania, and... Um, I was already kind of settled in that position. And so she and I just kind of hit it off and got connected and became friends. And I'm really grateful for that because I didn't really have anybody. Coming home, like most of like the people that I was in youth group with were gone, either moved away or like doing other things or at different churches or in different endeavors. And and so I didn't really have anyone to come back to. And there was that weird 
return to the church that you grew up yeah, in vibe yeah, that hard. like people look at you like oh hey welcome and it's like oh no no i've been here i've just been away <laughs> yeah. and like you just don't know your place anymore yep. and karen wasn't bothered by the fact that i was awkward and shy and uncomfortable talking because she just wasn't uncomfortable by it and so sh we would do youth group and hang out and then we'd do middle school girls small group leading that and then we'd go grab coffee together and it's like this walled up version of me like she didn't even in the very best of ways she didn't even see it yeah um there were people that didn't see it but i thought that's where i ended she didn't see it and she knew there was more sure. and, and she was she wasn't like uncomfortable talking yeah. and like getting to like the heart of what connects people. Um, and I had never really done that. I had already kind of like done my fair share of like putting people at arm's length and didn't really know how to trust people for various reasons, whether it be, hey, I assume that if anyone comes too close to me, they are going to kidnap me, like that version of fear. Um, or like the version of if anyone gets to know me too closely, then they will be let down by the fact that I'm not as perfect sure. as I should be. And in my mind, yes, I should be. Like that is what I would tell myself. Sure. So, um, you, so you kind of put yourself right back in a place where you wrestled with that. Yes. In hopes that I would find what I needed. Sure. I don't even know that I knew what I needed, but I knew, I knew God was important. I knew church was important. <clears throat> I knew that my relationship with Jesus was important. And I was not ready to just let that go. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't like an expectation issue. It was a true. This. This is. This. Ha this is good for me. I yeah. know this is good for me. I just had to figure out how to how to make it good for me. Sure. Like in the life that I had kind of already lived. Yeah. So Chris, for you. You do end up back at Manor Woods, right? Yeah, because Brian and Karen went there, and they had reached out to me before, and I was like, hey, what better place to start than, yeah. A, my home church, and B, a uh, place where people I loved who had shown interest in me yeah. were there. So that's where I went while before I split up with her, and that's where I went um, afterwards. Yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> getting getting a random offer saying, "Hey, you'd be good at teaching, doing a guitar for the bass scores as a, as an on fire reborn Christian." That's like, oh my gosh, yeah. yes, yeah. Uh, I'm not qualified for any of it. Yeah, uh, I was still, you know, not, uh, you know, living the best possible way. But I was like, okay, I will, I will do that, and I because I love it, and I feel honored to do it. I was so honored by it. I was ultra honored. To the point where I didn't really know what to do with myself. But yeah, so I was serving in there, um, still living in my apartment because the lease wasn't up until um, end of the year. Uh, she had moved to D back into D.C. to an apartment. Um, and then uh, my buddy John got, came and um, lifted all the boxes for me down the stairs. He built like a tank and so he carried them all downstairs and helped me move out of my place. and. He kind of stuck with me and hung out with me through the entire season because I was very, very, uh, I didn't know what to do because I yeah. felt like I made a mistake, but I knew that I didn't at the same yeah. time. Which is, which is a really hard place to be, right? When you do what God asks you to do, it doesn't mean that the, the immediacy of it is like joy. You still battle 
really it's the what ifs, right? What if this is the wrong decision? What if she's the only person I'll ever meet? You know, what if that I blew my chance at getting married one day? What if, you know, what if I'm throwing all these things away and you kind of like wrestle with that while also at the same time and really it's like the Holy Spirit, but you feel it kind of in your heart going, no, you're going to be okay. And I wish it was different. Like I wish that we made the decisions that God asked us to do. And it was like, man, everything's great now. Everything fell in line, but it, but it doesn't really work that way. And so you're kind of battling both of those things, which is I know that God essentially has brought me back, but also at the same time, man, I'm letting go of a lot of other, a lot of other things. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of feel that fulfillment in church, but you're still kind of in that place of like, what if I still screwed everything up? Right. But clearly you like keep leaning in, keep serving. Do you feel like your faith was growing or healing or restoring? I mean, I was taking things in like uh, so fast. Like I was uh, reading the Bible. I'm pretty sure I read, read the Bible at least three or four times through right. in that few year period after that. Um, my long drive, I was still working at that design company in Herndon. Uh, it was a long drive and traffic was terrible. And I listened to every single podcast and uh, apologetics. I was listening to uh, R.C. Sproul, Steve Brown. I was listening to C.S. Lewis up on tapes. I was taking it like I discovered apologetics that year. And I'm like, where has this been sure. my entire life? Like, sure. This is what I want. My knowledge grew like exponentially. And um, so I was really leaning to that. Um, Dyke McCord uh, leaned in as well. And I met with him for coffee probably an annoyingly amount of times. Sure. Because he just, he just, just was like listening to me. He wasn't telling me to do anything. He was just there. That's yeah. all, I, and that's all I needed. So he was there, leading me on. Um, also, in, in the meantime, I was I was still I was still visiting my ex fiance. <laughs> uh, she was still a part of my life. She was um, still someone that I cared about, and we kind of like pretended like things were okay. Um, she was dating somebody else, and but I didn't care. Up until 2015, until the year we got married, I was still in contact with her. You don't want to fully let it go, um, even though you kind of did. It, it was 2015 and we, she wanted to hang out and um, I had my, my buddy John show up there with me because I was like, this is not cool, we're getting ready to get married, yep. I want you there. So he showed up there, said, said our goodbyes, and he's like, dude, he's like, end this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll end it. And then we got married and then like, I remember being out at the end of our driveway having a cigarette, he's like, you need to stop this right now. And I just cold turkey just told her, I was like, hey, this is it. Yeah. I'm not talking to you ever again. Hope you have a great life. And that was the last time I talked to her wow. in 2015. And of course, I got many, many, many texts and stuff afterwards that I did not respond to. She even sent letters to my parents' wow. house because it's the only place you knew where I live. Just long letters, just saying all, all sorts of stuff. Sure. Um, but um, it's just hard because even though you make those decisions, you're like, all right, I'm going to choose God. It's hard. There's still stuff there. Yeah. I still feel, even though I shouldn't feel, I still feel guilt from that decision because I just, I completely switched uh, for the good. But, um, but yeah, so that was always in the back of my mind through those years of coming back into faith. Always there, tug, trying tugging back. Like Satan did not want to yeah. let go of a thread. There's still always a thread there sure. until I, I had to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that deep down inside you, you knew and, and really your friend John knew, Hey, this isn't going to end well. Mm-hmm. 
and it's either going to not end well now when you have a hard conversation and you have to wrestle with, you know, the mistakes that you've made and, you know, hurting people and versus, Hey, this isn't going to end well 10 years from now when you're married and you've got two kids and you're telling your wife, Hey, this person has never been fully out of my life before. And, you know, now, and we hear it about, about it a lot more now, social media is like the downfall of most marriages. And a lot of it has to do with people who have hard times in their marriage and they're still connected to that one person back in the day where so much time has been removed that they look back and go, that wasn't that bad when really it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like it was so unhealthy and you know that, yeah. but like it's that, it's those like drunk goggles essentially that you, you don't, you know, see it the, the same way that you should. But having that type of friend in your life, that's like, no, 20 years from now, this will destroy your marriage. Even though it was a hard thing, again, it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and you would admit that you wish you had done it sooner. Oh, of course. Um, that's why we need people in our life to help that's us we when need. we're not strong enough to do those types of things. I don't want to say that you have one foot in like the Jesus door and one foot out, but you, you're definitely like pursuing Jesus. Oh, yeah. But there's remnants of your old life, of old habits, um, really of old pains and identity and like, and, and all that stuff. Right. Cause again, it doesn't, doesn't magically fit. It doesn't eliminate it. No. When do you guys go from people who've technically been in each other's lives for a really long time to, Oh, Hey, we should probably start talking a little bit. So, um, I need a place to live cause my lease is up. And Brian and Karen said, come to our house. Mm-hmm. You know, it's us and this guy, Todd, who lives in this room next to yours. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I packed up all my stuff and I moved to this house, a uh, uh, nice family's house from uh, um, Manor Woods. They were uh, abroad and uh, they were renting the house out. So Brian and Karen were already there. And so we moved, I moved in there and moved into a little, little room. And I, I, I kind of gre- uh, grieved for a long sure. time, grieved my past life, but also to enjoy being in a house filled with Jesus, yeah. people mm-hmm. who love Jesus and people who knew me and people who knew where I came from and people who accepted me, my a brother who loved me, a brother I loved hanging out with, like a, a best friend living there. Since they were sponsors with kids, we had kids there all the time, you know, doing pizza parties and, um, and that's kind of how I got involved in, with helping out with middle school and high school yeah. and kids. Um, but yeah, so I was there for a good bit, and then uh, um, the guy there, Todd, um, uh, was moving out, and so Karen and I were. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of your yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> Karen and I were we like we just became really good friends, and um, it's what I needed. Like it, it's the, it was the perfect thing for that point in my life, and. I don't know that I've ever actually said that to her, but you know, surprise, Karen. <laughs> um, it's exactly what I needed. And uh, she said, hey, this guy is moving out of this house because I had just finished my master's program. I had just, I had been working at a school, but I was not like an official teacher. And so like I, I got a job there at that same school um, as a teacher. And um, I had been living at home to offset costs for grad school. And home was fine. Home was good. It was just, I was, it was time. (laughs) And so uh, she said, well, there's this room in our house and we're renting it. And so she kind of gave a little bit of a description. And I'm like, well, I mean, I know these guys. I technically grew up with these guys. (laughs) 
they were in and out of my view every once in a while. And so I moved in. And I, I'm pretty sure those were some of the best years. Were Kristen, or sorry, were Brian and Karen married at that yes. point? Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a married they, couple. Yes. And you two, who just to be clear, separate rooms. Correct. Not dating. <laughs> yeah, thank you for calling no. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. Okay, no. We cool. Just, this is a sitcom. It was a room rental. It, it yeah. is like a sitcom. We kind of joked about that. It became, it became funny. And this was like an experience that broke down a lot of those walls. We, you know, like they had me doing like what wardrobe and I like I was shopping for weird glasses for like a video shoot and we were I was helping build things I was finding set design for them it was this world that I never would have like dreamed of being a part of but it's kind of what I needed and all the while like he said like it was a house where people loved Jesus and you know Karen and Brian were really good at that Chris I thought was really good at that too it was what I needed to kind of reignite this love for Jesus and understand those check boxes from my past weren't really what yeah. what our what my faith was about it wasn't what my relationship with Jesus was about and it was just fun and carefree and yet you know like also really meaningful we had a lot of like we would had a fire whatever you called that thing a fire pit but it's tall like we had that in the backyard and and we'd sit for hours all four of us just talking we were there when they told us that they were pregnant with oliver oliver was born we like went to the hospital followed them didn't know that that was weird to do uh super weird yeah but we did it i think by that time when oliver was born we had already dated once and yep. broken up again, which that can be its own story. Did everything feel like a double date? Like no. when you guys ate dinner together? Not really. No, because the first time we dated, it wasn't really a. It wasn't really. Um, well, I, I, do you mean like prior to us dating the first time? Yeah. No. no. It, it feels kind of like they're trying it, to set you guys up. No, we. But they no. Were, there was. I, I when she moved in, I was like, oh, Bethany Hamilton. I was like, okay. I was like, she's cool. <laughs> it was it was it was strictly like yeah. we were rooming together. I didn't. But instead of like never seeing each other, we took turns cooking and we ate yes. meals together and we hosted a Bible study together. Yeah. And so it kind of became very family like, mm-hmm. even before we were ever even considering sure. this path of being a family. Yeah, it's kind of like what college can feel like. Correct. When you live with when people you, that yeah, yes. you kind of yes. like coexist in this space. Yes. where like we're not married. But also we're having all of our meals together and you know, and healthy. Yes. Great. Which I didn't do. Just like I was yeah. just avoiding that. And so it's almost like I lived that life but older. Mm-hmm. So like we had jobs and we had a house instead of a dorm room. But it felt more like that. But it was where we had great memories and we yeah. had great times to grow as people. Yeah. And we had great times to grow in our faith um, we had good conversations we we all were youth sponsors with our the middle schoolers and high schoolers all four of us were and so it it kind of like brought about this like new phase of our faith and then in so i only worked at my school for a year before so i was i was sorry i worked there for five years i was only teaching for one year officially before i was offered a position at Manor Woods as the director of children's ministries, which initially I thought, I don't know why I would even be doing this. Like, why would you have me do this? 
Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I kind of liked the idea because it, again, it took me back to an opportunity to almost like reset the clock, almost reset everything that I felt had derailed me and bring me into a position to not only do it right, but, but do right by others sure. and like kids who are like experiencing this and growing in their faith and learning. And so I wrestled a little bit with it, but then it, it became a good opportunity. I don't know that it really became like a ministry calling initially as much sure. as it was a, a job opportunity. And I kind of just took a leap and went for it. And then in 2011, so we had, I've, I, he I've, moved I've, into the house in 08. I moved in right. in 2010 when I finished my grad program. Right. I was laid off in 2010, um, AOL. Yeah. yeah, now we know. <laughs> I was laid up in 2010, and uh, I was freelance for all 2010 and half and most of 2011. Wow. So when she's getting her job, I'm you know, freelancing. Yeah, yeah. And this is also the time we started dating for the first, first time. time. Which it came, it came. We were, we were kind of pushed into it. I feel like. And you guys were living in the same house. Well, no, we. So yeah, so, yes. So, yeah, the answer we, is yes. We, we were. <laughs> we so, were. So me, her, and another girl were. We were like uh, kind of. Um, we all hung out too. They were a friend of Brian and Karen's. So we did we did uh, antiquing a lot and a lot and a lot of fun things. So we were like me, me and her and the other girl were like a trio. And at some point came out this other girl like me. He told her, "Well, I like Bethany," and I was silent because that's yeah. what I do. It takes me a very long time to process things. <laughs> um, but before I understood what was happening, I was like, "Well, yes, I like him as well." But now this other girl has said it first. You know, this is like classic love triangle. And I I'm, once I'm again tried to do the right thing, and so I didn't say much to her. I just kind of like let them figure that part out. And then when she found out that he liked me and not her. And then he asked me out and I said yes, like the whole friendship yeah, fell apart. Yeah. They don't tend to last through that. No. So starting a relationship that way is kind of sure. a... It's, it, that and it, yes, that piece it's hard. messed well, us up a little it's bit. It's like on the, the on, on the bodies of people <laughs> having well. a relationship. <laughs> Especially though, because a lot of what you guys are trying to heal and wrestle with is like your identities Correct. and who you are. And, and do you feel valued? Do you feel loved? Do you feel seen? Can you feel seen? You know, so to jump into something when you're both not ready yet. No. And not necessarily, it's not to say that you guys weren't kind of digging in all that stuff. You were, but it's like relationships just really put pressure on all of that immediately. Yes. You know, so you guys didn't kind of step into it in a way that was, hey, this is the right, yeah. right healthy path. It was like, yeah, I guess we're doing this now. Um, we also started dating right around the time that I had started working at Manor Woods. Yeah. And there's like this weird celebrity status sometimes that comes along with church staff. It's not actually celebrity. It's this um, ownership of your life as though it belongs to all of those who attend the church. Yep. I feel very thankful for Collective that that is not how we feel here. But it was one of the biggest things that I struggled with was because I'm not a spotlight person. I'm not a let me share all my business with the world. And people were weirdly excited for us, but also like weirdly involved. And like they felt like they had a bit in how it happened. Sure. And I shut down. I just shut down from it. I did not handle it well. 
I was feeling picked over. I felt like things that were supposed to be ours was very much on display and was very much being owned by people weren't who weren't even connected to children's ministry. So this wasn't even like people that I would regularly see in my professional life. It was just people who went to the church that knew I worked there and wanted to give their opinions. It is a really gross thing in church culture when it comes to staff. And one of the things that we say all the time is like, hey, I'm not hiring your spouse. But while we're not hiring the spouse, we only hire people whose spouses I like. Um, because while they're not on staff and they don't need to feel that pressure, they're going to feel some of it. It's, it's unavoidable. So it's like, so we also, as a staff, want to make sure we can do things together, not just as staff, but staff and spouses. Because it's like, hey, we are all in this together. I don't want the, the spouses, though, to feel like their job is collective because it's not, they have a job. And that is a really hard place to be. Like, it's a hard place to be in marriage, which you guys know, and, 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 we, and I know with Ray, but you guys are dating. And you're still trying to figure all this crap out anyways. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this this girl is like, she's awesome. She She's a strong Christian. She's responsible. She's smart. And I'm like... This is what I. This is what I. Not what I want. I wanted her, but it's what I need. Yeah. And and then we're dating, and then I'm like ready to go, hold hands, and then, then I'm getting cold shoulder. I'm like something wrong with wrong with me, and and something there's something wrong. Like that I met that I messed up. I'm like this is supposed to be right. It's this person who I should be with. I should be with. Yeah. And um, I wasn't getting any of that, and I was thought I was. I didn't know what was going yeah. on. Yeah. Well, and that's pushing on you. And who you are like that's and you again you don't you don't know it mm-hmm. right because like you guys are dating but there hasn't been this like full vulnerability of like no, let me tell you all not my at stuff all. but you guys your job bethany is pushing on your stuff and then your job is also by default pushing on you which is pushing on chris so how long did you date the first time three months okay so not very long maybe yeah, two and a half through the summer it was just like a summer yeah, Did you guys stay in the house after you broke up? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a talk, and we were basically, I think you were like, hey, we're in the same house, so let's just keep things civil and friends. You know, there's no, I think we said there's no, no ill will. We're just, we're just in the same house and just put it aside. That type of thing happens, and, it, and that door for both of you to be vulnerable at that point would have been kicked wide open. I'm assuming, though, it was just a lot of like, okay. Yeah, like you know, do you think this is best? And I was, Chris, I was you're exhausted. super go with the flow. Yeah. I was exhausted from that year of not knowing what was going on. I was happy just for a change. Yeah, if it was a yes, great. If it was a no, good. I can be myself. Sure. Again. So how long? So what happened next after that? I got a job as a sign maker, um, and uh, it was the worst. I loved the I loved the work so much. I love everything about it except the person who ran yeah. the company was uh, toxic. But that's a whole other story. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that next year I bought a motorcycle and I kind of went nuts. Some people tried to set me with other girls and I was like, I'm not interested. And I was like, back of my mind, I was like, Bethany, this, she'll be back. I was like, this is going to happen again. I had this weird feeling that like, she'll be back, which is not characteristic of me. I was always looking for yep. the next person. And uh bunch of you know nice girls that I was set up with and but I was like no but no so that was a year of kind of like a lot of searching again uh searching kind of like what I need you know living at their house um 
Well, and Oliver. Oliver was born. Oliver was born. Yeah. All that. So that kept us a lot, very busy, 2012. I loved my work. I still, like, I love the work of making an impact on the lives of kids to know who Jesus is and to know what maybe I missed along the way. Sure. That it wasn't about how good you are at something or how perfect you are at it. It, it, it didn't, it wasn't, that's not what God wants from us. Um, but I also liked the creative side of it and the fun side of it. I think the biggest part that I struggled with was my place in that community. I wasn't married. Um, and so many of our peers at the time at Manor Woods, they were young married people. Yeah. Many of them were having kids. And here I was a children's director, unmarried, yep. leading parenting seminars and basically saying like, hey, I don't, I don't have this experience, but I can plan an event really well and I can give the material that's needed to make this happen, but still kind of like feeling in the back of my mind, like, is this really, does this really like make sense? Yeah. Is this, is there any value to this? So I was still constantly questioning um, my worth and my value, even in the role that I had. And then when you add in feedback from your boss or like peer reviews from like a colleague, I was constantly getting yeah. feedback, but in in the maybe well-intentioned way by, you know, a hundred plus parents. And then there was like the other hundred people that had nothing to do with children's ministry, but they just wanted to give me their thoughts on what I could be doing differently and better. People would be making comments about relationship status like what like are we aren't we like they were in that business once we were together it was comments on whether or not we should be having kids once we had kid or were pregnant it was comments on how we should be feeling about certain parts of our journey in the in the process of being pregnant i did my job i did it well but it was it was hurtful there was a lot of hurt that came into it as well and so I think like in some ways, like my, maybe my job and my insecurity in it kind of pushed us apart. Sure. But then there was, I feel like there were times when like those insecurities and those, that need for like relief and that need for knowing like who my people were actually brought us back together because you feel lost in a crowd of people when everybody that you are ministering to or with is in a completely different place in their life. Sure. And it feels lonely. And then you kind of start to feel like, well, I did this to myself. I got myself here. I put these walls up. And even in that season of time when walls were coming down, it's like they weren't coming down fast enough right. because I was busy over here putting other ones up sure. with all these new experiences of being on a church staff and suddenly feeling very in the spotlight again, which is uncomfortable for me. It just got hard, but then it also became like a place where I could kind of find relief again. Sure. What you guys are really experiencing in your time together is really kind of like that fullness of, of who Jesus is. What you're seeing and feeling are the things that you've been longing for, right? And, and again, you're not finding it in another person per se, right? What we're not saying is like, you fill that void with a human. What you're seeing is Jesus through that person. When you spend time together, Bethany, you feel safe and you feel like you don't have to be perfect. Correct. And Chris, when you're with Bethany, you see somebody who sees you and 
loves you and um, finds the the creativity and the quirkiness endearing and allows you to be you. And that is like Christ coming through your character, you know, um, which is why I think you guys were drawn so much to each other. It was, you know, as friends, you guys connected, but you, you start to see those beautiful things that, that Jesus creates in us as people. And, you know, we know biblically it says we're not meant to be alone. And, you know, there's this like intimacy. And we, we talk about intimacy in like the physical sense, but we also like there is intimacy of relationship that isn't sexual. That's just like, man, you see me and you care about me. And I don't feel like I'm carrying the heavy weights when I'm with you. And I don't feel like I have to be perfect when I'm with you. And it's like, wow, that's what I want a relationship to be. That's, that's really what both of you wanted your entire life to be like, you know, and you found it first in this glimpse of, of that home, really, and everybody who was there. So you guys start dating again. 2013. 2013. How long did you date for before you got engaged? A year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, still some time. We started dating and we both... We kept we, it a secret. We, yeah, we did. We didn't tell anyone. That makes oh, complete sense. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, because you don't want to invite... We didn't even tell Brian and Karen oh, for a month. Geez, guys. We were in that house dating for a month oh, secretly. Yeah. And oh, then we told them. And then we waited another month before we told our families. And yeah. then we told, waited another month before we told mm-hmm. the world. The world. The world. Yeah. It's what we needed, though. It's, yeah. it's, it kind of gave us that space to figure us out and to kind of figure out the healing that we kind of needed to work through and yeah. you know allow allow Jesus to kind of work through as well and mm-hmm. figure out where Jesus fit in this as well. Yeah. So that's why we did it that way. Yeah. But yeah, year and a half we dated and then we got engaged September of 2014 and married May, May of 2015. Okay. So you guys get married Chris for you the cool thing is you knew like who you could turn to mm-hmm. like, and you knew a place you could go. But you mentioned earlier, like you're listening to these podcasts on your drive and you're kind of like getting mm-hmm. like amped up about Jesus and who he is. So now you're married to somebody who's on staff at a church. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I was literally like starving for this. Yeah. Thing. I was, um, so I kind of filled it by serving, kept the, that time for my own, my own devotion, saved my serving for church. Sure. So church ceased to become the place where I get filled, quotes, and more of like a place of worship and community. And my filling happened when <clears throat> on my own with, um, you know, just uh, my own time with, with God. Sure. So pretty much from that point on, that's kind of how I've kept things. Like church is a place for me to serve and love people. But that's a whole different part of my growth. Like there's that, and then there's the growth that I need to be responsible for on the side. I think everybody should have that. Something you're learning on your own with God in addition to yep. what you're getting here. Yep. Um, and at first, when I first um, started going to church, I was like, I don't need to go to church. I'll be spiritual. I'm like, oh, well, I need a community. And then I was like, oh, all I need is church. I need everything to come from church. I'm like, well, no. You gotta have a mix of both the two. Yeah. So with Bethany being at the church, it's you definitely can't take a back seat. You have to be proactive with yep. your your walk. You can't just be the 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 preacher's husband, as I call myself, <laughs> kind of, um, who's on the, on the back seat, just kind of just uh, serving. You yeah, ha- you have to be proactive about your your you know your faith, or else you're just going to be a um, a drone. And, yeah, um, I definitely can get in that point. Sometimes I feel like all I'm doing is I, I get I get compassion fatigue a lot. Um, 
but that's because I'm not doing the other thing on the side. Yeah. You know, it is, it is a little bit of a wrestle. And then there's also the other side of it too, where there's just the public side, you know, as much as you don't want to be seen publicly, you know, or at least misunderstood publicly. Right. Like that's a big part of it. It's like, it's, it's hard to be on staff at a church and not wrestle with that, whether it's, whether it's part of the culture or not. So eventually you guys, how long were you working at Manor Woods? Uh, seven years seven total. Years. Okay. Yeah. You guys find out you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, no. When did you guys move up to Frederick? Right. At, yeah. Right after we got married, we moved to Frederick. Okay. Cheaper housing was up here, yeah. so we made the, the drive. <laughs> we made the drive to to Frederick or from Frederick to Rockville pretty regularly. Moving to Frederick also meant moving closer to Brian and Karen. Mm-hmm. And right after our wedding, uh, they experienced the loss of their daughter Autumn. And so we're up here a lot. They were our people, yeah. and we were theirs, and we wanted, we wanted to, to be there yeah. for them. Um, so we found a house, moved in, and um, and yeah, they were, you know, because we wanted to keep up that same situation in the same house. So we were there all the time, just yeah. going over there and visiting, and just being their people, and just going over dinner, and you know, having sleepovers, and uh, yeah, it was it was great. And I I think from my perspective, like that's that's the community I had like yeah. yes I was on staff at a church and yes I had yes I had friends there but they I I still feel like it was it only could, went so far because I only allowed so much we didn't feel those barriers with Brian and Karen and no. so yeah they moved up here and they they did they started going to collective and we found out we were pregnant mm-hmm. and uh 2017. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we had to start talking about what we were going to do differently. I think for a long time we talked about the fact that our transition out of Manor Woods and to Collective was purely the drive. Yeah, convenience. Or the opportunity. Yeah. And at Collective launch, it was shortly before we had Posey. And so I, we spent my maternity leave visiting yeah. Collective. And so I think for a long time that, that was my motivation was time, time not on the road and time, you know, not having to drag our kid around everywhere and, yeah. not, and, t- and being able to set up a community in, this, in the same place that you yeah. uh, go to church and work and do life versus having this like these two worlds. But if we're being honest, like there was a lot of resentment that was building up. There was a lot of um, bitterness that was building up, a lot of anger and just frustration over everything we were trying to do and still feeling like it wasn't enough. And so we just kind of started distancing ourselves, I think. Mm And I was still doing my job, and I was still doing it well. Our minds were in Frederick at that point. But our yeah, but and our hearts were a little bit shifted too. Like our hearts were kind of more up here, and it was a great opportunity. Yeah, part of it too. And Chris, we didn't really go into it too much, but your community is up here with Brian and Karen. You guys just had a kid. They're caring for you in the same way you've cared for them in the past. You're also working a job that's kind of Frederick-ish. Mm-hmm that is crushing your soul. Bethany's driving to Rockville multiple days a week. Being in Frederick, understanding that 
maybe this doesn't solve all the problems, but at least there's like some stability here. You know, Chris's job, essentially it, it got worse and like got hit peak awful. If you were doing the, the Manor Woods thing with Posey, that's another one of those times in your life where, you know, I think your marriage is strong enough to where you guys would have gotten through it, but it's like, at what cost? Right. You know? And so there was part of it too, where disconnecting from that was like, Hey, this is easier on our life right now. So yeah, we, um, you came on in August, right? August of 2018. Yep. At the time we had like seven children. Um, it was not a lot of kids. Um, I remember when we hired you, it was like, Hey, this is a part-time job right now. Cause there aren't many kids. Maybe one day we'll have more kids. <laughs> You know, one of the things that I tell Chris and Bethany all the time, too, is when we set out to find a children's director um, in the beginning, we, we were really lucky to have uh, two people at Collective, Jenny Killingsworth, who shared her story earlier, and my sister Alyssa, who were like, hey, we're going to carry this for you. But they very much were like, we're not going to carry this long term. And when I was sitting down with some friends thinking through, like, who do we know that we could hire for this job and ultimately who do we know who has experience that we could steal from another church Mm -hmm. um you were one of those people and you were tops on our list and we had talked secretly with brian and karen about it and they're like yeah you know it's just maybe not yet and when i heard that you guys were having a kid i was like this is it this is it it." um yeah and so you took over august of 2018 and you know at first it's part-time and we were still trying to figure out what collective was there was a lot of you working here, but also pretty walled up um, of like, hey, I'm, I, I think this is what God wants us to do, but I'm not sure about this guy, you know? And I, th- I think one of the first really big conversations you and I had, it was like a few months in, one of the things you said to me was like, this is so different. You actually said, I- I've been doing this for seven years and I feel like I'm doing this for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was because the way we do things here is just, it's just different. You know, same desires. We want to, we want to teach kids who Jesus is. We want to teach them that, uh, and have them understand to their core that, that they are loved by Jesus. We're going to use curriculum that's similar. Um, so it's not even that it's just like, Hey, culturally, this is different. And there's also the benefit of being a church plant where from the start, we get to decide like the vibe of things. And one of the vibes of things was, hey, Chris, you're not on staff here. You serve as much as you want. But also a big thing when you came here was, hey, take your time. But yeah, I mean, I, I think pretty quickly it was different. So really, I would love to say like, hey, this is when the story was like, everything's great. Um, but, you know, everybody who's been listening to the last two episodes, like they know there's still all these things. This wasn't a place where it was like, all right, let's put up more walls and boundaries and we can be, you know, like going to college, like whoever we want to be. Um, at first it was that way, right? Because it's slow, you know, but as God continued to do things in this church, like it continued to push on a lot of who you guys are. And so um, I'd love for you to share on the spiritual side of things, like on the personal side of things, not the work side of things. Like what has that been like at Collective, even as a staff member of like, kind of ripping through these layers of things that have been built up for so long. I mean, when we first started here, we had, we did a group where we t- brought a bunch of books in, like uh, um, Extreme Ownership and, um, uh, gosh, uh, Brandon Brown books. Yeah, Dan Greatly. I loved it. I loved it so much. Oh, my gosh. Do, you know, maybe we'll do it soon. I don't know. Sorry, Michael. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I loved it. I got to, no meet, I, I got to meet all the guys, a lot of, yeah. a lot of new guys, and um, I, it was just a nice thing to do and, um to kind of get me to know people, it, it kind of on my turf too, because it's like that's like my jam. Um, those kind of books, I really got a lot out of it. 
Um, and, and because of those books and that kind of open wideness and honestly, the honesty of the men here at this church, it's just like, it's not like I'm growing my faith, like wisdom and like, I'm sorry, knowledge wise. I was growing it now. Now my, now myself was opening up now. It wasn't, okay, I get it. I get Jesus, grace. I'm in, I'm new. I'm this new person. I've got a wonderful wife. I got a kid. I'm doing good, but there's still stuff there. And so <laughs> I had my last cigar when I was on our honeymoon. So I, I and I knew Bethany liked smoking. So that was part of my life. I let go. Yeah. Save trouble smoking. I, I was done with it. I'm glad for it. Um, I was still I was still a pot smoker on the side with my friend John because me and him had a lot of history. It was kind of our chill thing to do. And but and I just wasn't telling Bethany that I was doing that. And uh, I didn't think it was a problem because I didn't smoke that much. It was occasional fun thing. Uh, and But I just didn't tell her because I knew that she didn't like that stuff. And then at some point, um, I was at a friend's house and I came back and I, I told her I was doing it. And then she was like, oh, okay. Then, I, then she found out that I hadn't been doing it ever since, before we're dating, while we're dating, with John on the side. And it was that lie that... It was, it was the lie effect that was keeping some from her. Yeah. And um, it came up again uh, last year when I told her that I have a porn habit. And that's, and, but I would not have said any of these things sure. at any other church. Because I would have been excommunicado. I would have never been no one to go to. Um, I would have felt terrible. I, I do feel terrible about him. But I would have felt unredeemable in other places before this. Especially when I wasn't going to church. I would have never shared this stuff with her if I wasn't going to church. Sure. Who cares? But um, I love her enough, and I loved. I, I want growth enough, and I believe in what this church does enough to to be open about that stuff and to say I'm still working on these things, and that when you get baptized and you come to Christ, things aren't all fine, and that it's all process. Um, so those were just you know a couple. Hopefully, you know. I, I confess faster, and I and I and I tell her sooner about these things that are in my mind. But um, you know, because I knew that she's just she's she's a woman of of just um, uh, you know she's the, what do they call them in the Bible? Like the woman, the precious in rubies. That's what I said to you because I was reading the Bible a lot, and I used some Bible verse. It was so Bible-y. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I respect her, and um, you know, collect the collectives uh, community and the general what we do here, um, you know, that's what it's done for me. Yeah. And it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. But, man, it is uh, It's good. Yeah, and one of the things, and you and I sat down um, when kind of you, you shared with Bethany that you were struggling with pornography. And, you know, you sit down with your staff, but then you, you know, sit down with my friend, you know, Chris. And we sat down and we talked. And, you know, I know a big part of it for you was – um, understanding you're at this point in your life where that void has now been filled by pushing out that stuff, that other stuff. You know, it's like you're constantly filling your life with the right things, with who Jesus was, with good community, with vulnerability, with health, with growth, with a good marriage, with kids. The kids push on that all the time. But the thing is, again, like, you know, think of it as like a, a cup that's full of water and you're putting more stuff into it. It's going to push out. And for you, a lot of it was just saying, hey, like, this is one of the last few things I've been hanging on to from my pre-Jesus days that 
a lot of us filled a lot of our life and a lot of our feeling, a lot of our self-worth in this thing that is fake. Um, but for you personally, and, and this is devoid of collective staff stuff, this is you as a man and a follower of Jesus, like really trying to figure out like who God's calling you to be. And, you know, I, I want people listening to understand that this is not like this unique thing where Chris is like, oh, because we, uh, Bethany's on staff and we do staff things, therefore I work through this. It's like, no, because I am a Christian who loves Jesus, who's trying to have a healthy marriage, who's in a place that's going to push on me. That's why I did these things. Hard things will happen, but like the end of it is is good and fruitful. And also like, uh, it's not to make excuses for it. There are a lot of men that go to this church that that is the last thing they're hanging on to. If you ever wonder how we'll respond <laughs> when you're honest about it, like this is a really good example of, of the type of church we are because it's like, hey, you're not going to be kicked out. For me, it was a big thing going, oh man, like part of my job isn't just to lead staff, but it's also to like care for my staff and their spouses as well. And um, it's easier to lead a staff than it is to like essentially pastor them. But it, but my first obligation is as their pastor, not as their boss, you know. Um, you know, Bethany, for you too, you and I, you and I have spent a lot of time like having hard conversations. Yeah. And partly because I think it's because we do know each other and we have known each other for so long, even in, in weird passing ways. So I feel a little bit more comfortable going, hey, we have a history. But for you, like, what is it like now? So, so I guess the question to better ask is like, what is your faith like now? A huge part of my growth was kind of on the staff side of things, simply because for so long, it felt like I was in a silo of this is my job, this is what I do, I know it matters, but it didn't really feel like there was purpose beyond serve the kids and families. Sure. Which, that's great. That's a great thing to be doing. It just felt incomplete. And so some of the first bits of growth were simply like vision. Coming and feeling like children's ministry was not over here, in isolation to figure out on your own, but there was this way that it was intertwined with what Collective was doing and what our overall mission was to reach and save lost people, kids included in that. And I think that like that does something in my brain that's like that that helps me understand. And if I can understand something, then like I can I can start feeling comfortable. I can start feeling like there's ways to trust people around here um, and not feel so isolated and alone and unsure of myself all the time, which I still do feel unsure of myself quite a bit because it's that's still a work in progress for me. But I don't feel isolated and I don't feel alone. I feel a part of things. And I know that these things matter. I remember like just very casually saying something along the lines about, oh, it's okay, Chris and I don't need to go to church together. And you were like... Yeah. Well, I don't know that you were pissed at me because you hadn't gotten there yet that's true. in our I was, relationship. Yeah, that's true. I was still like, please little, don't leave us, yes, Michael. You're, yeah. yeah, you were still a little gentle. Yeah. Um, but you were you were very clear on like, that. that's not, I don't want that for you. And it was less about like staff expectation. And, and it was more like, this is what's, this is what's good for you guys. This is, this will matter in your relationship. It will matter in your walk with Jesus. It will matter in your growth. And it, I just didn't understand it. Because it's not, it was never something that was ever said to me before. Every, there was intentionality in everything that we did. And you did such a great job of 
helping us as a staff understand that. And so I'm an organizational kind of person. Like when I when my brain can understand that, then I can start falling in line with these other areas and not fall in line like robotically, yeah. but like I, I can become more at ease. And the more I was at ease, the more comfortable I was to kind of realize like I was still very much in a walled up position. I, I was not even letting in these new people. Um, I still have a hard time with that, but it, it created space for this wrestling to happen. And I, I think back to like all the way back to middle school when I started feeling like, oh, this is the time, like you should already know this. You should already be where you need to be in your faith and you need to just make sure you're still doing it. And instead of the, I feel like this, this community and this church opened up this understanding of no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to always be there. And you might even come in and out of understanding it. And you might wrestle with something and be good with it. And then all of a sudden you're wrestling with it again. And there's um, a place for that. And that made me more comfortable too, because it was a position of us being able to open up and be broken. And to have brokenness be okay and be okay on a staff at a church because mm -hmm. I feel like so much of what I was doing at Manor Woods was smiling and hiding and pretending that I was okay when there was still so much that I was broken about from church or from other things yeah. in my life. And I never had a place to, to freely wrestle with it. And then I think, you know, you take that even further and we are we don't have a perfect relationship we are a work in progress and this church community staff team whatever you want to call it is all of the above yeah. <laughs> it's been it's it's what we've needed to be able to work through our own stuff our own baggage that like i have held on to things that he has held on to things that we have now put together finally yeah. like and we're still just now finding out things that like, I, I think I just heard things in this podcast that I'm hearing somewhat for the first time. Yeah. And it's possibly true for me as well on his part. And this, they're, they're, the only reason that's happening is because of collective, because mm -hmm. we don't, we don't have that safe space anywhere else. You guys also, I mean, you've been here since six months in, you know, essentially, so much of the culture was created by you guys, you know, and that also meant you guys were trying to figure it out for your own life while also creating the space for it to happen, which is totally possible. It is tough working through those walls and it's tough working through those insecurities and it's tough working through, you know, the things that we carry. But one thing I do want to encourage everybody listening is even people who love Jesus and serve Jesus relentlessly still have those things and they still have to dig in and they have to find that space. And Bethany, I know a lot of our conversations really over the last like two years, more so, um, when I got to a place where I was like, I'm not worried about offending her, <laughs> has been just pushing you to see you the way other people see you, truly. And Collective Kids is a result of that. I mean, for goodness sake, we uh, average over 100 kids every week now when we you were hired, it was like, literally 10 kids <laughs> and um that doesn't happen without you guys leaning in you guys have cultivated a vulnerable and healthy marriage not perfect but one where it is honest 
and the end result is what we get to see on Sunday mornings with these kids and even the health and growth of like other people who've experienced that. And so, you know, I know that for both of you guys, one, one thing I love about you both is that there's a ton of humility. And so I know that you both will say, Hey, there's a, there's a long way to go. But in, in spite of the fact that I know you guys would say like, there's still room and there's still time and there's still pacing. And, and really, as you move into this next season, you know, for both of you guys, which, um, you know, obviously Bethany, like, you've done so much for collective kids. But one of the things that we recognize is that the two of you have never checked in your kids to church together and then gone and sat together because when you're on staff, you kind of lose that opportunity. And it's not a bad thing for the most part, um, but you guys are about to embark on kind of this journey of faith together in such a different way. And it is it has been together, and you guys have always done this together, specifically at Collective. But now it's it's different, and um, it's not necessarily together through obligation of like, hey, I work here. It's together through this is what we're doing as a couple. Um, so I know that there's still more to come, and if we continue this podcast beyond a year, and there's like a part three episode, like we'll have you guys share of what the next season's like. But right now, through everything you guys have gone through, through everything you're wrestling with right now, if you had wisdom that you could share with the people listening, what would that be? And I do want to remind everybody, like, this is not coming from a staff member at Collective. This is coming from somebody, uh, a couple who, you know, have kids here and had, you know, Chester here. (laughs) And um, so you have kids who are part of this church, who serve in this church, who've grown in this church. What wisdom would you have for people listening today? One thing I have always done myself, and, and it's, I always forget, but it's, Going back um, to those spots that God showed up. Yeah. Uh, Because a lot of times that you feel like, oh, he's not showing up. He's not here. You know, or I'm just in the grind, or when's going to come? But but going back um, to those moments, uh, for me, it's, you know, when I decided to, you know, dedicate my life to Christ in 08. And uh, when I first got baptized, yeah. you know, decisions to tell Bethany things in my life, things like that, where God has stepped in and it was sucked, but he was there. Yeah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible um, is when the Israelites are crossing the Jordan and they get halfway through the river and God tells them, hey, like you need to put stones right there to remember how far you've been. And I think oftentimes, and, and this is a problem at Collective when we know this, like we're so forward-minded because that's the way I think, right? We're always future-minded. What comes next? What comes next? I have to like force us as a church and really it's forcing myself like on our birthdays or new years to look back and go, look at how far we've gone because it's really easy to just look ahead and go, okay, well, here's this next, here's this next thing we got to tackle together as a, as a couple or as Christians or whatever. But the idea that like taking time out specifically when you're in hard, hard seasons to look back and say, okay, God's brought me this far. We're going to be okay. Is this great to look ahead and see where God's bringing you? But like, don't forget to look how far you've come because it's, completely different than what it was 15 years ago. It's ridiculous how much has changed. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Bethany, what about you? I think the the biggest thing that I've struggled with is worth and value and being enough. Like, that is absolutely intertwined through everything that I, like, have gone through and, and kind of up to this point even is still something that I have to work on and wrestle with. There's been plenty, like, you know, We've been digging into therapy. We've, you know, Chris has gone to Crucible. I have gone to Liminal. Yep. yep. 
we are we are trying to do these things that that help us dig into dig into our stories to try to figure out like what we need to do to continue this journey um, and to lean on God through that. And the reality is I think that for so long I did so much listening to other people instead of listening to God. And I think, in fact, I was, I've been in a, what is that? version app, Bible yeah. reading plan. Yeah. It's like about the um, 23rd Psalm about Jesus as the good shepherd. And um, the, this idea of being able to rest um, and this idea of being able to rest only if you can fully trust and you can be released from these fears or these, um, feelings of not being enough and and how Jesus is the one that can allow you to step into that place of rest. And one of the things that they were talking about is it actually went back to Genesis where they, in the garden, when when Eve kind of told God everything that had happened. And in the devotional part of the reading plan, um, they emphasize the part where God says to her, who told you these things? And they kind of like switch pan to the reader of the Bible plan and kind of lean into the, well, who told you these things? And I feel like for so much of my life, I have been listening to these things and I've never even considered who in the world has been saying them to me, but they certainly have not been from God. And I've been relying far too long on those resources and those quote unquote truths that are not truths. Um, And so I feel like the best Thing that I'm working through and would encourage others in these kind of moments is is to kind of ask yourself who's who is telling you these things yeah that's good all right so last question um, if there was a Bible verse that is like your verse or the thing that kind of hits you um, and again it can be we always tell people it could be from the past or it could be the thing that you're like holding on to right now what would that be Chris we'll start with you so mine is uh, Psalm 143.8. It's actually the whole, the whole chapter, but this one is in particular. It, it got me through uh, 10 years of uh, a sign job when I was under the other guy, and it's kind of also too indicative of what I went through earlier. It's just, uh, I'll just read it. Uh, Let the, the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you, and show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. And it's just something I read in the mornings uh, just because I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I had no idea where to go. And I'm just like, God, I trust in you. Um, show me where to go. I have nothing else, you know, nothing else to do. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here. So it was a nice way to start the morning and I kind of say it every day. That's good. Bethany, what's yours? Mine's a Bible story. Oh, okay, a whole story. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> she is a children's minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's in Judges. It's uh, about Gideon. Probably a favorite Bible story for most of my life. Um, but it is the story of uh, Gideon who takes his army to go fight the Midianites. Um, and God says, you have too many people. You have too many in your army. And little by little, he kind of weeds them out. And he takes... A very small bit of his army into the camp to defeat them and it was so that they wouldn't be able to boast for themselves mm. but being able to honor God through all that God is doing and that one is significant for me because 
uh, I think so often I try to do everything myself. And I try to bear the weight of being able to carry it all. And I have to remember that, you know, God is slowly whittling down my forces that I'm holding on to and kind of making me recognize regularly that I'm not meant to do this by myself. I'm not meant to do this without him. I'm not meant to do this without these people. And so it's just a good reminder of, of all that God can do, even when you offer just simply what you have. And that is enough. Yeah. So as we end this episode today, it's a bit of a bittersweet moment because in just a little over a month, Bethany, you will be stepping off staff at Collective and stepping into the new adventure of homeschooling Posey and Chester. And so let me just say thank you for taking time to share your story and being vulnerable. But more than anything, thank you both for everything you have done to make Collective and Collective Kids what it is. We are not where we are without the sacrifices that your family has made over the past five years, the time and the blood and the sweat and the tears, literally, that have gone into this ministry. Now, I'm excited for your next season. I'm excited for your kids to grow up here. I'm excited for your marriage and your faith because there's so much more room where you guys can keep sprinting after who Jesus is and you can keep making this incredible impact in this community uh, at Collective, um, even as volunteers and, and, and as leaders in this church. And so, le- so let me just say this for those of you listening who are a parent uh, of kids at Collective um, or you've served on Collective Kids, if your life has been impacted by by that space, by that environment back there, please make sure to tell Bethany and Chris, thank you. Um, Because it is a partnership there and so much of that space is their heart and their passion and their desires and their hard work. And so if you love Collective Kids, uh, make sure over the next month uh, to pull Bethany aside and and just let her know, to pull Chris aside and let him know, Um, really to pull Posey and Chester aside, Uh, to let them know that you're thankful for their mom and their dad, for everything that they've done for this church. Um, You know, after this summer, you'll see Chris and Bethany still around this fall as they begin to just attend and and learn what that feels like. And so, um, but I still want to encourage you to do it now. If if you see them and and find them, make sure to say thank you. Um, Chris and Bethany, thank you so much for five incredible um, but very hard years. Thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty, for your growth, and for helping Collective be Collective. Uh, And and really more than anything, thank you for letting this church and for letting me be a part of your story. And we can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.